Gaming NBS, episode 284, coming to you Monday, March 9th, 2020! Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad you all here. Whew. What a day, man. What a day indeed. How I don't know your, what that means. How was your weekend? Getting gaming in? Anything cool? I did game. It was the least, the, 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 the least, uh, I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm it looking for a word. Did it go well? <laughs> did it go well? It's it went okay, but all right. Let's, bo- let's back it up. What what game are we playing or running? Tomb of Annihilation. Doing? Tomb of Annihilation. Okay. Yeah, Jeff game. Yeah. Um, Was it subdued? My yeah. There does, does the least, Jeff have some sort of illness? The least amount of stuff got accomplished. Hmm. My buddy Joe did not show up, and I think they were afraid to do anything. You know, that's a th- if you. Well, it's too much annihilation, man. Anything you're gonna do is gonna squash you. Yeah, but I'm just saying is that there's certain kill you. Certain campaigns you get like at a certain at a certain point investment, whatever it is, the crew's all in there, and you're like, okay, everyone becomes a key player. And if it's not like, oh, he died in the game, or her character croaked, okay, well that sucks. But when so and so can't make it, like, well, she's not here. Crap, should we carry on without her, or should we play board games tonight, or should we just kind of piss about, not do a whole hell of a lot of anything? All that. I've seen it all, man. I've seen all those things happen. Yeah. Well, so there was politics and other talk that took up some of the time, which was fine. It's always good to get together. At least you're friends, right? Well, I mean, it was like four hours and I think they covered one room. I was like, man, you guys know you've been to like one room. Some games are like that though, man. Some sessions you're like, man, we did fuck all nothing this entire session. Everyone's like, you know what? Yeah, I don't care. I had a good time anyway. Yeah, and I don't think they're bent out of shape about it, but you know, how, they're not going to finish at the pace that they're going. How is your, um, well, they'll finish. it just take longer for you to get them done. Well, Look, man, I'm on borrowed time, man. I'm I'm not getting any younger. Like I got less time left on this earth than what I've learned lived on the earth. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah. Just, so just I got hang, that going just, for you. He's just hanging up right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. How is your so? How's your Cthulhu game going? That one is also a little questionable. I'm waiting for the email to say, you know, we're not having I'm fun. Not, not sure we want to keep doing this. Okay. Well, your engagement level is low. Well, the last not this past, uh, not this past session on Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, but the week prior, or the two weeks ago, it was hey, we need more. Like we don't know. I don't know what to do. And it's England. So you've played England. Yeah, I've been there. There's plenty of stuff so, to do. Well. I guess that depends on who you are. Yeah, what clues they put together and how they've combined them. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you've got to do the, especially these guys are playing in a, in a pulp style. Go out there and punch somebody. Go get arrested. 
Yeah, I don't know. Go, go to a bar and like loudly <sighs> proclaim you're a member of a cult. You're looking for the Order of the Bloody Tongue. Well, they are not afraid of dropping of who they are or where they are. So the I'm next session is going to be can, a surprise for them. Well, that, that might be good for them. And yeah. if the surprise is like you get your the ever-living fuck kicked out of you, but at the end of it, they've got stuff to work with. Right. Oh, well, thank God they came and kicked the shit out of us because we killed them all, but we got these clues now. Hooray. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. Did you game, Brett? I did not. I was going to this weekend with my kids, but poor AJ. So the school, my, my kid's school does this thing at a certain point, like in, I guess, middle school. Yeah. AJ's, what is he, 13? Yeah. So anyway, he, they have this baby little doll. It's this rope. It's this the programmed computerized doll thing that will cry this, that, da, 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 da. So it's part of a class and it was his weekend to have the stupid thing. So he's like, I really want a game, but, uh, so he'd be downstairs playing Xbox. You can hear, eh, eh, wah. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> crap. He's got to go up and try to figure out what's wrong with it. Rocket, whatever. Change his, change his little fake diaper, feed it its fake bottle. I don't I'm know like, if that's oh a good thing God. or not, man. I don't know. And he's like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, you think that sucks? You should try to have been one of my kids. Both you, both he and Alana were demons. AJ one time cried for like four hours. Unconsolable. No reason why. Just fuck you. I'm crying. It was easy. So bad. I know this is kind of outside the scope of the show, but what is the point of that thing? Is that supposed to teach them responsibility? Is it to scare the crap out of them from not having kids? I don't know. My wife's on the school board and I'm kind of con- I'm kind of like, could you find out the fuck that's supposed to do? Because this is like, what the hell? Anyway, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, there was those stupid pet things they used to have, those little digital pets, like you'd oh. have to like pet them and eat, feed them and all this other crap. Oh, yeah. The, uh, what the fuck were the Digimon or something? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. Anyway. So I anyway, never had one. And that, that, squished, that squished my gaming. Yeah. But well. I did rearrange my home office slash library game room. The kids, we combined all our books. Found that I had a bunch of doubles and triples of. Some Forgotten Realms novels and some Dragonlance stuff and a couple other ones that Ilana had and I had. So some Neo game and stuff. So we kind of squished it all down. We got a huge stack that we're going to donate or give away. And some are like, oh, these are just in incredibly horrible shapes. So I'm just going to chuck those. And I remembered again how difficult it is for me for whatever reason to ever get rid of a book. Even if it's a book I don't like and have no intention of reading, I have a hard time parting with it. I don't I know have why a little that bit of that too. Like, it's oh, weird. I'm going to read this tomorrow. No, I'm not. I had, what, what I am had I doing? A, I had a copy of a book I had no intention of reading, and I moved it from, I don't know, for decades. I moved that book with me. Oh, sure. And I packed it, and I'm like, oh, it's just one book. Who cares? Ah, maybe I'll read it. And if, truth be told, I had no intention of reading the book. I just had a hard time letting it go. And finally, like, I'm not ever going to read it. This is just stupid. I'm getting rid of it. I just, it was a weird pang of loss. I have a, I have an interesting... Again, another side tangent, but I have a book. It's called, I think it's literally called The Good Divorce. And it's a book that was sent to me as a comp. It was like a complimentary book. It was comp to me from the author that I had no idea who it was and somehow found me. And it was a study that my mother and father were part of like back in the 70s. Wow. And so they did a study. They opted into it. They were interviewed, and then the book was produced, and they said, hey, you're kind of part of this book. Here you go. And I've never read it. 
so, shocker, my parents are split. They're divorced. So there's a, a chapter divorce. in there called Sean Kelly, One Fucked no. Up Child's Journey. <laughs> subject matter, you know, subject A or whatever, you know, yeah. exhibit 2568. Got into demonic role playing games. Parents yeah. horribly concerned. Yeah, I have sent to army to try to cure him. <laughs> I don't know how often the interviews took place. I It was a long time spanning. Th- but anyways, I have that book and I'm like, I am never going to read this thing. But because it's almost like having credit within the book, I'm, I feel compelled to have it. Yeah, I have the first um, I have the first book I ever wrote, which was a um, it's a software instruction manual. I have a comp copy of it. And you I wrote it? Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a long goddamn time ago. Like, oh, I wrote that. I'm going to keep that. It's fucking useless. It's terrible. It's like an instruction manual. Why do you software? It's boring as hell. Does it I have an have ISBN that. number? Um, or yeah. IS- yeah, ISBN. Yo, you're published. Oh, see, Brett's got Avalon and this book. Uh, this What's it called? What's the title? This is a uh, PC name tag back in the day. I don't know I if don't... you remember Nick. You know Nick? Nick. To Pizzas? I do not know Nick, but I, I they're a client of mine. Yeah. So, yeah, I wrote it for him, and this is like for God Awful Forever Ago. Uh, interesting. Yeah. All right. That's good. Anyway... There we go. There you go. Let's, let's stop talking about that shit. It's boring. Gaming. Moving on. So announcements. <laughs> you got the survey out there? And we got some good stuff back. Yeah, man. We got the survey out there. How long do you plan to keep that sucker alive? Forever. Yeah, that, that's not a useful survey, Sean. It's going to be forever and ever. 31 responses. So here, uh, let me share some of these. Should well, I share? Hang on. When, when do you plan to turn it off? I thought probably the uh probably end the end of the month end of march okay so 2020 yeah okay so <laughs> last day of march 2020 if you're interested in taking the survey get it in then because after that we don't care what we think carry on John. <laughs> <laughs> i'm teasing i'm teasing well you know where brett stands hey that's why i care because brett doesn't mm-hmm. just keep that in mind everybody when i go solo mm-hmm. read read some of the responses Read some of the responses. That's what you said you wanted to do. Oh, do you want me to? Sure, grab one. All right, so for those that haven't partaken because they hate surveys, we totally get it. There's not very many questions. There's maybe, I don't know, 10. Um, We asked if you're a a patron. Uh, 90% that have responded are patrons of the show currently. Uh, 93.5% are interested in playing in an RPG with Brett and myself. Oh, that's or nice. or another BSer runs. Oh, very cool. Yep. Uh, da, 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 da. What's the best way to contact you? Ninety three percent said email. Uh, pledge level. That's not a big deal. Commitment. Um, it. We asked if you're able to realistically commit to one to two times per month, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. And seventy six percent said they could, That's and twenty four percent said no. So that means they could maybe commit on a Saturday or Sunday, maybe. So Monday through Friday, the one with the highest amount is, and we put in Sunday and Saturday in the hey, which nights or days work best for you? Um, and there's fifty one. Fifty-two percent Sunday during the game during the day, it's getting the most, and then followed up. 
Yeah, not bad. And then Thursdays, Thursday nights. Like we were picturing 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time, whatever the hell time the Central Zone is in the U.S. Okay. GM preference, we asked, would you rather play in Brett's game, Sean's game, a guest game master, Brett or Sean, or all of the above? Uh, 52% said all of the above. Oh, very nice. 41% said Brett or Sean. So Cool. Type of game, does that matter? Some It's like almost split, 55 to 44. Have you played on an, in a tabletop RPG online game? 86% yes. So 13. Nice. Said no, 14. So it's always um, good data. Yeah. Tools. People mentioned the tools they've used. So we can get an idea of like, oh, Roll20, everybody seems to have used that. We could use or that. Or everybody likes Fantasy Grounds or Roll20 or they right. all like whatever. Okay, cool. And then there's gaming preferences. I'm not going to get into that because a lot of it's all over the place. Like we asked about, you know, do you like fantasy, swords, and sorcery? Do you like horror, espionage? We asked if you like pre-gens or one-shots, mega campaign, mini campaign. Um, so that way we have an idea of what to offer. Um, we did ask if other people were interested in GMing, and uh, 52% said yeah. So other than us, so which would be cool. And then that's it. Like, that's all the questions. And then any special notes, like, that we yeah, might have You always leave a freeform cover. field in yeah. so people can ask stuff. So yeah. I guess, if nothing else, folks, if you thought, oh, my God, uh, Christ, it's a long answer. It's not. It's not that long. It's not that long of a survey. And it'll take you a couple of minutes if you're interested. Cool. Well, hey, man, yeah. you're going. You're still going to GaryCon on Saturday, yes? Wow. That's that's the plan, but I, what are you that's assuming about? I'm not getting coronavirus going there. Ah, come on. Hey, dude, there's people not going now. I know. I know that. I, I mean, and let's face it. I brought, it up, on, I brought it up on Twitter, and I'm like, yo, Concrud's a thing. Concrud is a very, th that's like real all the time. Oh, yeah. Everybody, uh, not everybody, strike, strike the hyperbole there, but a lot of people that, that you know will come, oh, I'm sick. I got some, picked up something with Concrud. And uh, they better stay their ass home if that's the case. Yeah, that's it. That's the interesting piece is like, you know, if you're sick, the fuck are you going to the convention for? That's just dumb. Well, because they paid Brett. I've paid for a flight, paid for a hotel. Oh, hey, I know. You know, I'll get know. over it. It sucks. Yeah. I work. The company I work for is a global company and we have like, hey, no one's going to our uh, office in Italy. No one's going to certain. No one's going to China. <laughs> no one's going to South Korea. I mean, you know. Bruce it's, is coming from the UK. Like, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, the other piece is I'm not... I don't know, man. Yeah, could I be don't... a lot of personal preference. It could be the... It could be the least attended Gary Con in a long, long time. I don't know. I mean, it's so funny because the pre-Con Reg is the most that it's been. But that was that before was, two that months was ago. That was pre-the... And that's the thing with stuff like this is... I mentioned this in my, my Twitter, my Twitter posts is... I'm trying not to be alarmist, right? But I'm also trying to be respectful, and like, hey, is this is this a good idea? For me, if I have to eat the badge cost, that's annoying. But I drive there, right? So it's not like at this point I'm planning to go unless something crazy happens. Like, holy fuck, the uh, you know state of Wisconsin says no, you know they're shutting down this, shutting down that, blah blah blah. 
I mean, I heard like Stanford is not having any more in-person classes for the rest of the year. Um, I had read somewhere. I cannot recall where. They canceled South by Southwest. Yeah, I canceled that. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I say, know, it's, it's tough to be. You don't want to be a crazy alarmist, but you also want to be realistic. And so I guess the best thing I could do or advice I would give is like, look, if you think if you are worried and you're concerned and you choose not to go, that's fine. Totally fine. If you do go and you're like, huh, I'm not worried or concerned. For the love of God, don't mock the people who are, right? Somebody's right, going to say, I'm yeah. not going because I'm just, I'm really, I'm just worried. I really don't want to get sick. Anyways. So let's no, go on a random, we, God, we better get, we're get drifting away the hell man. everywhere. Random let's encounter, let's move on. Talk about some cool stuff Random here. encounter. First one, Chris Shorb talks about uh, audio. He sends us an audio to talk about audio. Yeah, here we go. It's audioception. Brett, Sean, Chris Shorb. Calling in about the uh, sounds at your gaming table episode, you know, I was almost like, oh, this doesn't sound like a good topic to me. I'm not particularly interested in this. But you know what? I think the reason, so let me just get to the cut to the chase. I am now really interested in injecting, as Brett suggested, a little bit of sound into my game and seeing how it goes. I want to try it out. <clears throat> I think in the past I thought, well, i got to have all this, all the things specific to every single scenario, and I think I was kind of overwhelmed, but it sounds like <clears throat> there are actually tools now specifically to do this, and you can, con and the, the, what Sean said about how you can have multiple sounds going at the same time at different volume levels, I mean, I don't want to become a, a mixer at the table, but it does sound really cool, and I do want to try it, so hey, thanks for the episode, I appreciate it, definitely, uh, I think it's going to add a lot to my prep and uh, not my, a lot to my prep, but uh, a lot of value to the to the table with the guys. So guys and gals. So appreciate the. Uh, it was a great episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, thanks, Chris. Damn, that's very nice. Yeah, appreciate I, that. Yeah. Well, you know, give it a shot. If it becomes more of a pain in the ass, then you can always nix it. But you know, you if know. somebody, if Chris, if you try it, or for that matter, any any of the folks who listen to us, if you try it, you go, hey, wow, I tried it. First session, terrible. Second session, I really got the hang of it. Third session, yeah. Now the whole crew's like, man, I really like you. Really like it that you do this. Let us know how it's going. You know, you may try it and go, wow, that was abysmal burnout failure. Never doing that again. Legit. Oh. You know, or even just the intro. Like, hey, I'm, all right, we're gonna start. I'm gonna push the play button, and then you have the intro, and that's it. And it's just to kick it off. Yeah. Who knows? Like I said, I, when I did the. The intro for my Bad Magic game, when it was playing, what I tried to do then was do a quick recap. Like like last week on Kenan yeah, type yeah. of thing. You know, I tried to do a little recap thing for the crew, so it was kind yeah. of fun. Yeah, you could do it while you're narrating a, a, a recap. But don't let it distract you. Like, no. don't, like, if you get caught up, like, that's what I was saying before. Hold on a second. Hold on. Wait, okay. Can you hear that? Oh, wait, shit. Oh, speakers aren't on. Hold on. Hey, let me turn up the volume. Oh, Oh, shit. Sure. I didn't turn on my speakers. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Oh, that's not the right one. Like, <laughs> if just forget it. Like, yeah, the and the, that's another piece is if you try something, you go, know, all right, this is working. Scrap it. Move on. Make a note of what you did wrong and fix it next time. Cool, though, Chris. Thanks, man. Yeah, hey, Chris. Why don't you read the next one, dude? Todd Cripper. A Broken Ruler of Games writes in about hit points in episode 281. Evening, gents. I know it's been a while since I wrote in, but I've never had to call BS on your show before. Don't worry. It's not you two. Oh, thank God. 
It's the players who say they want to be like Jason Bourne. God. Wait, wait, yep. hang on. Sean and I have always agreed it's usually the players' fault. So I'm glad to see Mr. Crapper's hey. on our side. That's good. Very good. All right. We know where the fault lies. Carry on. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm talking about all this crap about hit points in episode 281. And it's okay. I can use the word crap without invoking the wrath of the great plumbing god. And so I bless thee with the gift to speaketh this unholy word. <laughs> nice. I've got news for everyone out there. If your game makes room for any margin of error that could cause your characters to suddenly die before they can finish the story, you ain't never going to be playing Jason Bourne. Uh, I think that's a fair point, sir. If there's any problematic mechanic in a majority of RPGs, it's damage slash hit points. From a straight-up game mechanic, sure, why not? If we weren't trying to emulate specific novels, films, TV shows, and the occasional off-Broadway play, no problem. But ask yourselves, and this goes out to everyone out there listening to this in podcast land, is this accurately representing other forms of fiction? Personally, every licensed RPG that I've ever played with some form of hit ever played with some form of hit point mechanic immediately misses the mark on the original source material. When I played the D20 version of Star Wars as a Jedi and took damage from a lightsaber or from a blaster, I'm sorry, while blocking with my lightsaber, my suspension of disbelief called for a union meeting and went on strike. When I heard the comment that a player wanted to be like Jason Bourne, I couldn't help but shout out loud that Bourne doesn't get shot at left, right, and center. Now I'm that guy yelling at the voices coming out of the car speakers. Great. Characters like Bourne only get shot when the writer writes it down and it's for a purpose. Ramp up the tension, demonstrate the overwhelming odds, give a character motivation to confront the villain, etc. It's a curated experience. We've talked about that before. Yeah, good stuff. Keep going. Whenever a character is harmed in other works of fiction, it's with narrative purpose. They get injured because it serves a purpose to the story, even if that purpose is to show the characters hardships, like when McLean runs over broken glass to escape Hans and company, referencing Die Hard, the movie. It doesn't actually do anything that hinders the rest of his actions. It's there to remind us how the character is just one man versus a dozen trained criminals. Indiana Jones got shot in the shoulder so that the Nazi bastard guard guarding the truck could throw him out and complicate the scene. And I'm sure something happens to the Rock's character in the Fast and Furious movies, but I've never seen them. Insert more modern examples here. Damage serves a narrative purpose in all other forms of modern storytelling except games, and yet we're constantly trying to emulate these other forms of fiction and getting it right nine times out of ten. Except when it comes to damage and hit points. This is a subject I could get into for hours, I'm sure, so I wanted to ask you fine hosts a follow-up question. If you could skip hit points and instead run with an alternate rule or system that would instead provide a narrative complication for the character to overcome, do you think it would be easier or harder to run with your regular groups? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, boy. We talked a little bit about narrative hit points and stuff in the past, but this is a little more focused question. Keep going. Yeah. 
I guess what I want to know is whether games use hit points of any kind because that's what we want or because we've never had a choice. Thanks for the hours upon hours of great podcasting and for your support with my own games. Y'all rock, and I look forward to every episode. Unless it'll be the last one, then I'll choose to ignore it and force the both of you to continue podcasting misery style. (laughs) Is he kidding? Here's hoping we never have to find out. Son of a... (sighs) You know, it's... Todd, Todd, so for those that don't know Todd, he is a game designer. Yeah. Like, he's... He did the deal, like the, mm-hmm. the LARP that I uh, bought and ran at Game Holcon. He's done a bunch of Broken um, Ruler's done some really good stuff. Broken Ruler Games. Go and check out Todd's stuff out on DriveThru or Broken Ruler Games. I think it's BrokenRulerGames.com. Google I think, it. I think there is um, the hit points thing. There's some we could always argue, hey, it's been there forever, blah, 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 blah. It's been talked about before, where it came from, so on. It so could forth. be innovation. Exactly. That's a piece. Innovation systems. We're talking about a different type of innovation today, but we are. There are systems out there that don't have it. I think the key piece that Todd brought out there is that if your game makes room for any margin of error that could cause your character to suddenly die before they can finish the story, you ain't never going to be playing Jason Bourne. And I think that's pretty much the truth for a lot of games that are trying to emulate a specific type of fiction. I want to tell a story about the time that this thing occurred. When you have that type of mindset on this is just off the cuff thinking for me is you're you're in a spot where I can't kill you because I haven't gotten to the point where the where the story really ends. Where the or case I haven't, is. there's not the big reveal and you're running into a few henchmen and they ax you. Yeah, and some people actually I've talked about this before with some of my, my gaming crew and some other people, and they're like, that's fucking lame. Because if you have a preconceived notion of how it's, and I on, must admit, I do think this way sometimes, I on the fence this way, but sometimes like, that's fucking lame, dude. If you already have a preconceived story that you're going to tell, you're just going to buff out the nits and nats, that's a that's a writer's table event. And um, okay, you're, you're doing screenwriting or you're writing a novel. If you're going to make sure everybody makes it to the very end, I guess I think at my core for Brett, that doesn't that doesn't sound like fun to me. Making sure everybody makes it that way and having making sure the mechanics support the fact that everyone's going to make it that way, which gets into fudging dice and everything else. Jesus Christ. Well, I agree. And I think the. It's a good I think you We're could have to cover it again. I think you could have a game like that, like uh, Lady Blackbird or whatever. Like they're they're games oh, yeah. that are set in a container where you are going to survive, but it's how you how, how do you survive? Mm-hmm. So it's already a preconceived notion that you are going to play John McClane in the Nakatomi Plaza building. You are going to survive, but in between is going to be all this crap that you have to deal with. Yeah, and if it's a campaign, it's like, okay, the choices you made in Nakatomi Plaza, does that destroy your marriage, make the next story, the next movie better, worse, just a senseless, soulless money grab? What does it do? Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. There's There's got to be ways out there and means, policies, devices to make all this stuff happen. I know there's games out there that do this. If you think about the drama system by Robin Laws, you know, it's a very storytelling type of game. There's no dice, really. Diceless stuff. And Amber way back and there's other diceless games out there there's plenty of different 
styles and things, we tend to think about the big about the big one, D and D, and other games that use hit points and so on. But there's other tools out there. I just um, I don't know. There's something about the premise of making sure everybody always survives to make sure the complete story is told is told a certain way. I, I don't know. It, it well, feels it was like contrived. Shane said, right? Continuity or yeah. Or what do you say? Know. The uh, God, what did he? <laughs> it was like the plot, the plot hook, the plot fail or whatever. With yeah, the yeah, characters yeah. dying and yeah. Anyways, plot proof. I don't know. But, you know, it's like video games too, right? Like, oh, I'm going to play a video game. This will be great. This will be a cool experience. Oh, I died. I'll restart. AJ convinced me to play uh, Diablo, what is it, 3 on his Xbox. Dad, you really like this. Okay, cool. Sort of down there, and I'm not a big console gamer, but my son wants to play games with me, so I'll play. And we're going, yeah, this is pretty tough. I said, AJ, we can't die. Well, yeah, you can. No, we can't. I said, every time we die, we just respawn. Well, yeah, but I said, but what? It's just, this is just a grinder, man. It's just a matter of time. I'm having fun with you because you're my son. I like playing this. But if you're actually nervous that you're never going to get to the end, that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe there's some insane level setting of hardness that you put the game to, then you actually fucking die. But otherwise, you die, you respawn, and it's a pain in the ass more than it is anything else. You can't, you you can't lose that game. You can't. Which is weird because I'm like, it's not really a game if you can't lose, is it? Ah, anyway, we got to move on. Oh, God, there you are. Uh, Thanks, Todd, man. Damn we it. really opened a can of worms. Damn it, crapper. But All it's right. good stuff. It's totally good. Great. Yeah. All right. So on the Spook 408 comments in the forums on episode 282 practice, he says, I'm the one that posed the question, what are the rule mechanics that encourage role playing? I've been thinking over Brett's response, and I'm paraphrasing, but as recall, it was something like, quote, I'm experienced, so it's not a problem, unquote. Well, huh? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's a damn fine point. <laughs> Very good point. I am too, but I need help at times. My gaming group goes back decades and tends towards power gaming and D&D. Systems and rules that would help them role play more and dovetail into power gaming would be nice. Do they exist? Maybe. We do practice, and they are good power gamers. That said, we'll still try to loosen them up, but as the rule of Sean states, give them what they want, and so and so I do. As for practice, it does help, but it needs to be coupled to interest to make the most of it. Damn fine point. Experience and practice go a long way to making most anything better, which I guess is what Brett is getting at. And I do agree, but it's not an absolute. If I was to play Cold Shadows and I'm not well-read on 70s spycraft, rule mechanics could be helpful with setting a tone and environment in the game. In doing so, it could encourage role-playing. That said, practice, 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 and everything gets better. That is a damn fine point. And... Yeah, so perhaps I was a bit flippant there, but I uh, when I stated my original piece. So I think you're right when that rule mechanics helpful in setting tone and environment in the game. We've talked about this before, and I think Spook 408 is making a solid point that we've said before and bears to be underscored here is that a good mechanic system helps to inform play one way, shape, or form. And if it's informing play, giving you the right tools to engage in the in the environment. Then, back to Todd Crapper, if it is actually a Jason Bourne-style role-playing game, the rules better frickin' support it. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do that. Right? So I think I think there's definitely some there's some stuff there. Good good points. All right. So he, could, he continues. Exactly. He continues. Yeah. Please excuse the following diatribe. Oh, no, don't worry, man. We'll go on it. He's talking about creativity. Does the idea of a 10,000 hours of practice apply to creativity? Absolutely, it does, because creativity is a skill. 
just like with any skill practice, matters. How do you come up with stories, tavern names, or game maps? Easy, you do it. This is not a cop-out, because the first time might be difficult. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Why? Because you get to the internet, ask friends, listen to podcasts, you gather information, choose what you like. Guess what that is? It's creativity. Sean mentioned Apollo 13 and the box of stuff they had to work with to save the astronauts. In art, that might be called a limited palette. The act of limiting choices does not make creativity harder, but create... Oh, good God. The act of limiting choices does not make creativity harder, but helps focus thinking and in doing so makes it easier. People are creative. Hard stop. This podcast is all about creativity. At the beginning of an episode, a question is posed and what follows is often fun and creative solutions to it. However, for some reason, when we grow up, many forget, ignore, or choose to believe otherwise, but all of us are creative. Like, that's a good point, honestly. I like that. There's a little rapper there because... I have played with people and had a really good time. I explained that game I played to other friends of mine. Like, oh, you really like this? Said, oh, I'm just not creative. Y- yeah, you are. <laughs> you're just not creative in this way, or this is a different stretch to your creativity. It's a, it's a thing you're not used to yet. You haven't practiced being creative in this manner. I mean, I see it at work all the time. I'm posed, I have to pose my team with these crazy-ass networking and routing and switching phone, blah, 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 all these technology problems. And sometimes we have a limited palette. I'd like to do that, but the business won't let me. Well, fuck. Okay, how can we do this? You come up with create with creative ways to do it. I don't know if this is a question for Nolabert or Professor Nemeth, but I would be interested to know on creativity and how it works. Have you ever watched um, John Cleese? On his creativity speeches? I have not. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to find those in some of you. There's, he's done some really cool speaking engagements where he talks about being creative and so on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. And maybe, and there's probably a TEDx talk that's out there. But the reason I bring that up is kids can be creative, right? They have an imagination, blah, blah, blah. And then as we grow older, mm-hmm. some of us, I think, tend to be, maybe it's because life just beats the hell out of us and we don't have quote unquote I don't have time for that shit or I don't have time to be imaginative or I don't play games or whatever that is yeah people are still creative but they're probably creative in a different way they're not exercising the subject of like disbelief to help out with the creative piece that's why sometimes I wonder like if I'm running Call of Cthulhu and they're done and they're at a point and they're like look dude you need to give us some more we're stuck is it is it they're stuck and they're not exercising that creative muscle in the brain? Or is it literally like, I don't know what else to do? Are they or giving all she's got, Captain, and that's all they got. Right. There are certain times when you when you run the game and your players look at you like, dude, I, I'm I don't know what to do. Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit in the past. And sometimes it's like, okay, look, and that's when I've I've said this before where I kind of have the whiteboard session. This is what you all know. They draw lines, you get the crazy, you know, uh, mind mapping practice thing where you draw lines and connect this, connect that. And sometimes doing that with a group gets them flowing again when they're stuck because they don't always realize all the stuff that they actually know and all the clues that they haven't either followed up on or the obvious connections that they just haven't made because they're too close to it. That's a troubleshooting technique sometimes. You'll let my team do a thing work on it. I'll come in, check on them. How are you doing? 
okay, so why does this IP address have to go this way? Can't we do the VPN to blah, blah, blah? Oh, fuck. Yeah, okay, hang on a second. Walk away, come back. It's not brilliant. It doesn't mean I'm smarter than they are. I'm just walking in and I'm seeing something for the first time that has nothing to do with the last hour of effort they put in. You can get very close to a thing and forget to see the rest of it, which can make it feel like you're not creative or it's too daunting or you're not creative enough. Don't yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Good, Good stuff, stuff, though. though. Yeah. yeah, and I do appreciate being called out there. So if I said something that was a little too flippant, yeah, I'm experienced, so it's not a problem for me. Piss off. <laughs> That's not what I meant. And if I did say that, I am sorry. That's what he, that's I did what not he want. That's I what meant, he meant. Don't, I, was, I meant that to Sean. That was pretty much it. Oh, that's fair. Let's get into the main topic. Let's move on. All right, Sean, this one's yours. <laughs> Sean's yeah. been nagging me to talk about this for a while. I have. So he wants to talk about innovation RPGs. So when we had our little board meeting, we got together, drank some beer, talked about what we wanted to talk about. And I think what you want to talk about, Sean, is not game mechanics right now or even game settings. You're talking about delivery mechanisms. The age old, why the hell are we only have hard copies and PDFs, goddammit? Is that what you're going for? Yeah, it's not innovation as in, hey, could a role-playing game implement newer ideas and mechanics or Where's rules? my D12 die pool system? Nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, ta- baby. You're talking about, you know, yeah. how is it delivered? How do we, how is it delivered to aid in learning, implementation at the table, all the cool technology shit that's out there that seems to be sorely lacking in some regard? Yes. All right. So I'm going to shut up for a second. What are you seeing? What's irking you? What makes you want to, what, what keeps you passionate on this, Sean? Well, one of the things that I, as an inherent human being on this big ball that we call earth, (laughs) I look at, I don't mind change, right? I kind of embrace change. I'm okay with that. I like technology. I like how it moves. It moves fast. I think there's uh, efficiencies and processes that make more sense when things are done in a logical manner. I'm not a big person on double entry or doing stuff for stuff's sake. like Process for the sake of process? Whatever, right? And so when I look at things like I don't know, the role-playing game industry, and I look at all the resources that we have at our fingertips, I look at it and say, we really haven't moved the needle. And that's not totally being fair. We have Roll20 and virtual tabletops. We have Mm -hmm. virtual reality that will eventually come into play. We have this podcast. We have Discord. Like, Back in the day, we we could record a podcast, but streaming it or piping it to different platforms would have been a lot more difficult at a certain time, nigh impossible, unless certain things were in place that we couldn't afford or whatever. But my so I'm not wanting to dismiss some of the things that have come to help role playing games proliferate. You know, there's Twitch. But there's no one platform that says, hey, here's a, this is the adventure. It's called, you know, Death in the Borrow Downs. And Death in the Borrow Downs comes in a PDF or hardcover. Maybe hyperlink PDF if you're real fucking lucky. 
but it doesn't or come layered in, or layered, right. but it doesn't come in a multimedia package unless you spend obscene amounts of money. Then you get a lot of physical props like you did for your Master of Night Hotep game. But I can't play Death on the Borrow Downs. I'm making this up and say, hey, I got my speaker set up in my room. And when I walk into the room and they and they open the creaky door, I hit room five and it reads in some wonderful narrator's voice what's in the room. Or gives a description. I don't have that. No, I th- right. Yes, correct. I think a lot of the things that we talk about, if we knew the players and we wanted to facilitate a particular type of role-playing game, that some of the problems or some of the things that we bring up, like sound and audio. Wow. Do you want audio in your RPGs? Yes, no. Can you facilitate a platform where you're selling role-playing game product and it actually provides that as a built-in piece of what you're A, subscribing to, or B, that you purchased. So you buy Tomb of Annihilation, and yeah. and it comes with a series of background sounds. Yeah. Just I'm in mood, the jungle. Just, Hit mood, this button for jungle noises. Jungle Bloop. mood music, in the dungeon mood music, in the tomb, the big fights, all the shit we talked about last episode. Hey, Say, you're hey going, you hear something in the jungle. This is what it says right in the text box, the box text. Pl- push this button to reveal, make a roll. The people hear the following. Push this button. Boop. Or having a video that walks you through the room. You open the door and here's the room. Real estate agents do this. Sure. A walkthrough. I mean. A walkthrough is suspect because like, I don't know about you, but my players don't walk into a room. I know. They say they don't, but they do. Yeah. So, well, so here's the interesting. I'm not in there. Yes, I am. Oh, no, no, no. So I think we can come up and, I mean, you talk about PDS versus ebooks of different stripes and types that have shit built right into them. I can, you can get a textbook that says, this is the sound of an eagle. You push the button, you know, makes the sound of an eagle screeching or clucking or calling if it's a crow or whatever the case is. You could have all that stuff built in. You could have video built in. Dude, so from a I, learning from a learning experience, if you bought a rule book, it had a video of how to make a character. You know, instead of having to go to YouTube, have it on the goddamn and have it in the book, basically, yeah, right? Have it in the book, or or let's even get it to more of a fundamental level. Like I don't know, you buy D and D Beyond and you buy an adventure, and in that adventure it has a map, and in that map it says room number one, and I just click. On the map, on room number one. And when I do that, it takes me to room numbers one, number one's description. <gasps> yeah, it gives me the text. I hyperlink the map. Like, that doesn't happen. No, like, it D&D doesn't. Beyond doesn't even offer that. Like, it's mind-boggling to me. So, Like, there... seriously? You couldn't put a hyperlinked map in this $30, $40 adventure that I'm buying in digital format? And we still have page numbers? What the hell? Fair. I think that's a fair that's a fair critique. I know there is some there is a like in the zine world and it, it just in gaming in general, there's a, a do-it-yourself mentality. We want to be able to build stuff, craft things. We know our group. It's hard to make something that fits everybody. I get that, but I think some of the stuff you what you just laid out there, I mean, making the the book, especially electronic book format, super goddamn useful. Right. There are a lot of PDFs right now that you have to like flip through them like you're flipping through a book or quickly scan 
through the bottom, you go from page to page, jump around, put bookmarks in, so forth. It's fairly cumbersome. You can find search and all that good stuff. But yeah, if you had a map on your tablet or whatever, um, your laptop, whatever, you clicked on room one and it just called up all the room one stuff. Okay. And you escaped, go back out. I'm in room two. They're in this hallway. They're in this place. Tick, 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 tick. Seems like a no brainer to put that type of thing together. Mumfrey999 in Discord you, it says, Eric Frankhouse presents. He says, has at least one adventure that includes MP3 files for prep and play. Not sure if it's music slash effects or just audio for prepping for running the adventure. I did not know Eric did that, but I would, I'm going to pick his brain if I run into him at GaryCon. Oh, we'll, see him, be we'll see him at GaryCon. If nothing else, I think he might be in our Sonishing Swordsman game. But I'd, I'd be interested to see how he's doing that in what type of form. Like, oh, is it EPUB or, or what? Yeah. I don't know if you know, Larry. And even if you look at the um, just the the digestion piece of it, right? So if I took my Avalon book and said, hey, if I was putting in an EPUB format where I said, this is how you build a thing, and you could do a video. Some people learn more visually. They want to watch somebody do a thing so they can copy the exact thing they're doing. I could say, okay, this is me doing. So I'll go back to Matt Colville. I, I like him as is well-known if you listen to us here. So he has like these, hey, I'm going to create something. It's a long freaking channel of just him. Okay, I want to make a city. I need this. I need this. No, I don't like that. I want to use this name. I want to use this. Just going through the process. It's something that's very specific saying, hey, in Avalon, to make it work, to have this type of feeling, this is how Brett does this thing. I give you written examples, which is helpful for hopefully a lot of people. But I'm positive somebody out there is like, you know what? I'm really glad they did the actual play because I know how it sounds now. I know how Brett and the team are delivering the effect of what the world feels like. It's not built to teach you the rules. It's more, it's a quasi radio drama type approach to actual plays. Yeah, but one could argue, make it your own. Oh, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to sound like Brett and his group. No, 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 it doesn't have to. But what I'm saying is that that's a, it's a learning tool. Like So rule books in general have all sorts of things that they have to serve. They have oh, to yeah, instruct yeah. you, give you ideas, show you how to do it, quote, unquote, right, while the author thinks that, like, hey, this is kind of what we built it for. So having those audio and visual components built right into it so instead of saying, wow, that was pretty cool, I bet there's a YouTube channel out there of somebody running Dragon Age. Yeah, there is. There's somebody fucking doing it. Why should I have to go search for it? Why are they not doing it in some way? That's your question, right? Well, why, why part wait for, of it, why, yeah. I mean, why wait for Brett and Sean to put together a YouTube video on how to run D&D for a newbie? And why isn't Watsy doing that? So I think, that there probably are quite a few game designers and developers where, hey, I'm going to, I'm going, like Todd Crapper, for example, mm -hmm. he had Kill Shot, I think is one of his games um, that I bought. And he, you can go out on a YouTube and I think he has like a walkthrough of the game, which is great. Uh, and I was watching that and that helps a lot. Actual plays, I think some people will watch it to get a better idea of what that looks like. But I do agree that there are some companies or even publishers, designers that may not do that for whatever reason. I don't, I haven't done a ton of research to go, oh, has Aloy gone out there and shown people how to create a character in the PIP system? I don't know. I, I got to imagine, I would hope he has. But is it linked in the rule book? 
Well, like the electronic book should have a link in it, and the hardcover should have a link say, "Go here to watch this thing." Instead of post facts saying, "Oh, by the way," because you go to our website and it happens to say yes. You know what I mean? It, why is it not there? Yeah. Because that's, sure. that's what you're going for, right? Well, that's part of it, yeah. I mean, then that's like low-lying fruit, right? How do you just give information to the public about your product? Um, but I'm talking about just like place like, – and this is this is not homebrew stuff, right? right? Like if you're going to create your own stuff you know, world. And I know a lot of people in role-playing games love to do that and get all crazy and create this big world building. That's a, that's different. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is people that are, I like Brett encoded designs. Perfect example. Hey Brett, we want to put Avalon out to the masses. Brett says, great. That's awesome. I've been running this for years. I, I love it and would love to partner with you. And they go, great. We're going to, we're going to ask you for a bunch of content. We're going to put a project timeline together. We're going to kickstart mm-hmm, it. We're going to mm-hmm. do all this stuff. But the way they do it is that we're going to put a book together, and this is the book. It's going to have – we're going to break down the book in different sections. We're going to present the material in a different – you know, in these particular ways. And then we're going to take that book. We're going to print it off and give it to people. Great. Awesome. And then we're going to take a PDF that mimics that exact same book, and we're going to allow people to buy it electronically at probably a little bit reduced cost because – you know, we're already doing it anyway, and it's, yep. you know, whatever. Yep. Boom. But there's how much talk is like, hey, we could have Matt do a three-dimensional drawing, and we can offer that and put that in an e It's cost. And it might be cost. It oh, may there, just oh, be, in, my, in that case, I will tell you flat out it's cost for the project, for my Avalon project. When I sat down with Phil and Chris and the encoded team, and we came up with what could we do, so on and so forth. What would be like, what would you really love to do? Put all that shit out there, throw it all out. Wow, it'd be great to have X, Y, and Z. And like, wow, it would be an astronomically expensive Kickstarter. Having to produce stuff, I don't know if we have all its skills for that. Do we have the skills to do a full-blown video embedded EPUB? Huh. I don't know anybody who knows how to do that or blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, but it, cost is a huge factor. Sure. Especially for smaller publishers. Well, I think that's a no. I think that's a that's a no brainer, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying be, now because somebody's yeah. screaming at their car stereo and they're going, "It's expensive, you assholes!" Yeah, Todd's probably like, "It's <laughs> fucking pricey, you dicks." <laughs> yeah, I get it. It is. Pricey. I'd love to, but it costs money, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I does. get it. But there are some bigger houses, and the thing is, is if you produce it once, you can reuse all that. It's like stock photography. Well, it's interesting, too, is you get a game system like um, some stuff that Monty Cook puts out. If he puts out a Kickstarter, it's, it's a million-dollar Kickstarter type of thing. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. You could do it as pledge levels. Or, yeah, or they have the experience in that rewards. house. Yeah, they have the experience of running big, successful Kickstarters that doing that could be within their wheelhouse. You know. Beetle and Grim. Beetle and Grim. Yeah. There, I mean, if you haven't looked at Beetle and Grimm stuff, I did not do the. I did not know they did an Eberron, the ri- rise of Eber, uh, Eberron Rising, the five oh, e book. Cool. They actually did a set for that. It's two hundred and fifty bucks. Now, 
innovation-wise, it's not exactly what I'm getting at, but it offers like Dragon Mark uh, Faw tattoos. It has, I think it has different maps. It has different art. It's immersion. Its products help you immerse yourself in the environment, co- right? It's, coins, it's, maybe. Yeah, but it's, it's an immersive thing, which is not exactly innovation because it's tactile stuff. But it's custom built for that, kind of like the uh, yes. Master Nautilus Adventure Kit that you purchased by right? the HP Lovecraft Society. Yeah, which right. is not like a Be- game company. No, but that's like Beetle and Grimm. It's they're not a game company. They just make tchotchkes for games. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing, dude. It is well. The only they're making miniatures and stuff and things for games to add to its experience. HP Lovecraft Society making a box full of pullouts and papers and things to add to your experience. Yeah, the HP Lovecraft Society's like it to me. That's a society which is a little different. Well, regardless, what I'm saying is the end product was the same. I agree. It's the same same thing. I'm making Chachki's sounds like I'm totally dissing on what Beale and Grimm does. It's in it's cool stuff. It's not cheap. It's really it's custom. High production. Short run, high production value stuff. Yeah. Not, yes. So anyways, the innovation piece. So I'll give you an example, Brett. Give me something. I'm running Tomb of Annihilation. I'm at the table. And this even goes into, hey, do you allow phones and gadgets at the table? And Brett goes, no, you got to put that shit away, man. We're here to game. Then what, so what happens is I'm sitting there talking about a room and then I say on the tiled floor, there's this, 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 and this, right? Okay. And now if you look in appendix E, it'll say, Hey, appendix E has the handout referred appendix E. And I go, Oh shit. So appendix E in a hardback book, I should just like rip out and hand it out to my players. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. (laughs) No, 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 no. So of course they probably have them online for free. Who knows? But say I didn't go there. Now I'm at the table. I don't have this handout. I didn't know the players were going to go there. Next thing you know, they, 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 they pulled a gamer on me, right? And instead of going to the swamp, they went to the, they went to the temple. God damn it. Do you know what I do, Brett? Make them go back. Make them back to swamp anyway. Nope. No, no, no. You know what I do when I run into those instances? Close the books. Game's over. It's faint Pretty much. Tell them, hey, I don't know what to do. Pound tequila until everyone stops. (laughs) And it takes me like a minute, if that. Mm -hmm. I actually have a tablet at the table. I have the adventure loaded. When I get to that and I go to Appendix E and it's on there, I actually take a screenshot of my tablet. Yeah. Then they keep in photos. Then I edit it because I shrink it down because I don't want to include everything around it. Mm -hmm. And then I upload it to a Facebook group. And I go, hey, everything's in the Facebook group. Go there now. They all pull out their phones. They go to the Facebook because they're all standing there with them anyway. And they go to the Facebook group and they're looking. Each one's looking at it. They don't have to pass it around. They could zoom in, zoom out. Cool. It's all right there. And they're like, oh, hold on a second. If it's like, hey, I've recited this three times. No. Snapshot, put it up on the Facebook group, reread it 50 million times anytime you want it. I don't want to reread this to the Facebook group. Which you could do in like Why do I have to do all that bullshit? Yeah. So that's, I I guess that's what we're saying is that there are two, we are using a whole bunch of tools. D&D Beyond, man. It's Uh, still like a book format. Like, what the hell? Yeah. It seems weird. Right. It's not built into. 
it doesn't now I get maybe it's and I, I probably somebody's again screaming oh, it's expensive you dicks even Watsi has budget yeah I know what they do I, I get it I totally get it shit's expensive I know that but some of this stuff you build it once I don't know yeah I'm with you Sean you know what I'm saying I think I think what it is is just a and there's a weird navigation behind it too, and maybe this is just me complaining about D and D Beyond. But there's a weird navigation to it that's the UI could be really worked on from the mobile device. And I'm talking about the actual app, not not the online character generator or any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm talking the actual on like D and D Beyond app. And I'm like, okay, I'm in this thing. Okay, I can search for a monster or sometimes it's hyperlinked. So yes. in all fairness, there are monsters in D and D beyond where you click the hyperlink and it brings up the monster and the stat block. And then it's got the tabs at the top. Okay. No problem. But there is a weird, like, okay, I go back and I get to back to where I was, but there's like, well, there's some and weird going navigation back is, stuff. And going back is a lot of fun on a, on a hyperlink PDF. I have the uh, original Pathfinder, uh, you know, first edition stuff in hyperlink PDF. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Hyperlinked. But oh, what's this? And it jumps me, you know, 200 pages down. There is no go back to where you came from button. Right. So you're like, oh, great. Right. I just went right. 200 pages that way. After remember, was I on page six or seven before? I went, okay, I read the blurb, like the literal half a paragraph. Okay, cool. Great. Now I need to, fuck, I got to go back to where I came from. It doesn't, unless I'm using my PDF reader wrong, it doesn't just hop all the time, at least some of the native ones that I've been using. Maybe there's a better one out there. But that's where, you know, an EPUB book or a better designed electronic format would let me go and come back whenever I needed to. It's very weird when we talk about a book because a book is pages and it's in a particular order and you read it from front to back, typically left to right. Grammar, sentence, English. Most However, if you languages. grab you grab Borrow Maze, Sean, I've been talking about this. And if I run Borrow Maze, I'm going to go out to drive through and buy the PDF of it because I want the map. Hmm. Because I need to reference the map and then flip through the book, flip through the book to find the rooms. The map's in the back of this wonderful hardcover. I ain't cutting it out. Right. Maybe I could photocopy it. Maybe I could take pictures of it. Or I could just buy the goddamn PDF and then have the page and then have the pages I want. But I basically, I think I've talked about this before. If I have, <laughs> depending how many mo different types of monsters I have going at a certain time, if I'm in Alpha's basement running, he has. If I'm running Five E, I have my Five E monster manual, D and D Beyond, and two of his monster manuals laid out in front of me. Because if I'm running a, two gray slots, a green slot, a dragon, uh, a couple bugbears, da 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 da, I, I need this crap, you know. And sometimes, like, okay, I can hand wave the bugbears; they're just they're just cannon fodder. That's easy. Don't need that. But the complicated baddies, I need their stuff. I want to know what tricks and trades and so on and so forth. And <laughs> just to flip in the flippity flippity flippity, it's it's tough to keep it all in place. And I know some people are like, well, I don't have a problem with that. And maybe this is a Brett problem. Because I want to run combat quickly. When everybody's blood is up, oh, yeah, this is great. I want to keep rolling. I just want to work and go and go and go. I don't want to stop. I don't want to interrupt the game by having to find entry five on death slot. I just want it right there so I can look at it and find it. 
easy in the middle of something. I don't want to have to look it up. I want to have it available to me. And I, mean, I don't know if it's just electronic formats haven't cracked that nut yet or if there's something I'm just missing. I don't know. I mean, but I could do it, but there's so much goddamn prep work I'd have to do to front load all that shit. Running Tomb of Annihilation, now what I do is I have my tablet up and I have the map on my tablet and then on the right I have the book and I'm like why do I have to have both these things so I can look at the map and they go at, you need to be two places at once and you could do that on a tablet if you freaking create the thing right yeah you hyperlink the uh, again especially for a dungeon there's no reason a dungeon can't do that Tomb of Annihilation is like this you put your finger at the bottom it comes up and I'm talking Tomb of Annihilation the actual book on D&D Beyond the app if you put your finger on there at the bottom, it'll come up just like a PDF with all the pages come up, right? And you can scroll, 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 right? The little mini pages at the bottom as like of a navigation. And then say, I go to chapter five. Boop. It all it slides me to chapter five. Boom. I'm on chapter five. Then everything is vertical. So if I want to scroll through chapter five, I keep scroll, scroll, scroll down, 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 down. And it goes through all the rooms that are in chapter five, right? Mm-hmm. That is a pain in the ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not <laughs> it's not easy to do. I can't I'm like, oh, it's in there somewhere. Yeah. In chapter five. I want to be able to hit the button and find it faster. So if you have an encounter or you have multiple rooms in chapter five. And those room descriptions get pretty damn long at times, and there's traps and treasure and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it is like, wow, you you guys are stuck in book world, but you're an electronic delivery company. Yeah, the electronic delivery component of it is pretty weak. And I think, I wonder if, now, if anybody else out there, if, you know, Frank House is doing this and if anybody else is doing it better and Sean and I are just missing it and someone else is kicking some ass with us, let us know what the hell that is. But I think some of the the lure of the tabletop RPG is the tabletop experience that we're either trying to recreate, relive, or re-experience in some way. And that's fine and it's fun to have books out and digging through stuff and, you know, rolling dice on the carpet and all that shit we used to do when we were kids. That's fun to do. But I can tell you right now, AJ likes his um, character sheets on his tablet, if he can have them. He likes having certain rules there and so forth because it's easy for him to find them. And when he's running, he has a tablet and his book because it works easier for him. He's doing the same thing. And it's not like everybody. And it's kind of weird. You have to have this balance of like, look, I want to sell this game, Dungeons and Dragons or Tolis or as a setting or whatever it is I want to sell, you know, Broken Ruler Games, High Plane Samurai, he wants to put it out there. And Todd wants people to buy it and to play it. And he doesn't want to present it in a format that only a small subset of gamers can use. Fair. Because, oh, the only way to really truly enjoy this game is to have a cutting edge iPad that's running this app. That I built the app, I manage the app, I update the app for every different version of iTunes and, you know, whatever else is out there. I, I've got to make sure that it works on all this stuff There's in the Google Play Store and all that. There's work involved and there's cost. And I think it's a low-margin industry. I mean, I, I, I'm not retiring on my Avalon income. I, what? Believe, believe you me. Yeah, because you, you, don't, you don't buy enough books, Sean. You oh. promise you buy one a week. Um, <sighs> anyway. Uh, let you down. But I think, you know, 
I, I think if Todd wants to get his game out so more people can play it, and El- and Eloy wants to, at least common denominator sounds like uh, uh, sounds crass, but I want to make sure that it's common. Anybody can grab this book and use it. Anybody can grab this PDF. It's simple. The problem is that I think more people that are gaming and buying it. I don't know if anybody's done the research on this, but I think a lot of people who are gaming have access to a lot of really cool stuff technology-wise. So I, think here's, I think it's more out there than we may believe. I don't know. So, so here's the thing. So, so people that are yelling at their podcatcher right now are saying, hey, man, there's a lot of cost involved. It's a low-margin hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these design... Um, and game companies don't have multi-million dollar budgets. Yeah, it's true. I get that. So what's the problem? It's expensive. Okay, great. How do you lower the cost, right? Instead of complaining about, well, it's expensive. Okay, what's the root cause? Why is it expensive? Well, there's a lot of resources that go into it. Okay, great. Who has money that can do this and still allow other people to take advantage of that? One bookshelf, man. Have have them start looking at, hey, we want to put together an API or we want to put together an environment where publishers can put their stuff in there and it makes it multimedia. So they can upload audio, they can put in the text, they can put in the pictures, they can put in the video. And through our platform, we offer this kit to anybody that wants to use it and publish it on our site. Yeah, and, then and you at, get a so taste of it. You buy it. We've already got the framework. We've no, already yeah. got yep. the box. We've got the stuff that you can. It's like an erector set, man. We're it's giving you all inv- the dials and the sticks like, and all that to put together. It's not like the folks that own one bookshelf are rolling in cash either. Oh, I, I know people who work for them. They're they're not rich. I don't know if they need to be rich. Well, I'm just saying. It, so, if you told me, hey. It'd be really cool if you developed a Wi-Fi platform for warehousing, blah, blah, blah. It would cost me time and money to build it. Then once I have it, other people can use it. Yeah, and they can use my my thing, but that's the entire business model, building that platform. It's tough. The other, I would almost take a step, a simpler step than that is say, look, if you're quote unquote stuck with PDFs, people need to start using, I mean, using PDFs to their fullest. There's no reason that the, that the if especially in, a, in an adventure, start with the adventure stuff that you're publishing because people buy a lot of adventures. If your adventure has a map, for the love of Christ, you should be able to hit a button on the map and take you to the stuff, right? I don't know how I've not done used an e-publishing tool, so I don't know how hard that is. But for God's sakes, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to hyperlink your PDFs, have links backwards, forwards, have the maps hyperlinked some of the simple low hanging fruit stuff. And I think that would, that would go a long way to make a lot of people more satisfied with that product. I would lean heavier towards buying that adventure from that company than it would from somebody who just sells me a, a flat PDF with no hyperlinks in it or an improperly hyperlink stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It could even start off with low lying fruit. It doesn't have to be this craziness experience, but I think there's, I just wonder if we are looking at things, this so hey, why do we do it this way? Because that's the way we've always done it. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's probably... I love that in corporate America. Oh, yeah. oh okay, that makes perfect sense. Nobody's asked why we couldn't do it a different way. No, no. This is the way we've always done it, Sean. My entire IT career, Sean, is fixing all of those things. Exactly. <laughs> I actually told my CIO the other day. I said, I really hope at some point I get to correct my own fuck ups. And he laughed at me. He goes, really? I said, yeah, because at least I'll know why I did what I did. I will remember what I did, and I'll learn from that. I'm tired of fixing everybody else's stuff that they broke 15 years ago or whatever. But I think you're right. I think low-line fruit is like PDF, and how can you use the PDF format to its to its limits? And if, excuse me, if you have intentions to like, hey, I'm going to put a video together to show you how to make a character sheet or to build an encounter or whatever it is, I would hope that if you're like, yeah, that's a really good idea. People should be doing this more now. So if you have the time, if I were to go back and to, if I was going to make a rule system, it would be intriguing for me to sit down and say, okay, I like this bad magic thing I put together. I have my own little home brewery rules. It'd be really cool to see how it worked. You know what I should do? is I should, if I kickstart this thing, let's just say I do that, I should then also include in that, I'm going to put videos together as part of this release. And in the book, in the PDFs, the PDFs will link directly to the YouTube video or link to the webpage where the video is or whatever the hell. Or in the hardcover book or the hard copy book, it has a URL in it. You can go to to get it, you know. But some of that stuff can be, um, I think some of that can be embedded Oh, yeah. I mean, as long as there's a connection, it can stream to that. Yeah, there's really cool ways to do. Again, that to me is low hanging fruit. That's not hard to do. But instead of we have the book and so forth, and then I feel like sometimes, myself included, we go, you know, oh, it would have been really cool if we would have done this audio visual, blah, blah, blah. That shit's being is so common now. Go out to YouTube and say, how to play a good barbarian in, in Dungeons and Dragons. And there's a fuck ton of people telling you how how to be a good barbarian, what the stupidest barbarian ideas, what the best barbarian builds are, blah, 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 blah. They're all out there. There's no reason that we shouldn't start thinking about that stuff as we go forward in the gaming industry, the gaming hobby space, it's a hobby industry, and start saying, hey, Brett and Sean put this really cool thing together. We should put a video out. So when the book is released, the videos are out too. Same time. I know some board game companies have done this. We're like, hey, this is the board. I can't think of shit. I think Atlas Games did this. I think they did. Fuck. Somebody else did too. Someone will correct me on this. But, you know, you have a board game and then there's a how do you play the board game video that is live either just before or at the same time that the board game is live. And it tells you in the, you know, in the board game, hey, here's the rules. Oh, by the way, to see how this works, go here. You know, I guess making it, that's that's a low-hanging fruit. Like if you can't embed it, if you can't cram it into an EPUB type thing or use something really amazing and sexy cool, there's ways to get ahead of the fact that you're probably going to end up making a video anyway. You're probably going to end up doing some audio because that's how people are consuming stuff now. And if there's official audio on how to fill out the character sheet, official audio on how to run your board game is why not produce that yourself? Get it out there. Yeah, somebody's going to do it yourself. They're going to say, yeah, Brett and Sean's official video is misses one key component. And there'll be a stream of videos about people about well, the one key component that Brett and Sean missed. That's fine. The do-it-yourself element is always going to be there for RPGs. But I think we can start to capture some of the shit that we're all doing. You know, 
Yeah, right. I haven't even talked about like build. So the some of the people that we're isolating are the ones that want to create their own stuff, right? Brett wants to create his own little adventure, present it to his kids, blah. You know, Mike Shea gets on there, um, Sly Flourish, and has a Twitch channel, and he goes through prepping his next adventure or encounter for his home group. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what if you had an app of some kind or a method where you just, I need a room. Okay. And it asks you what size room, big, small, rectangular, circular, uh, round room. Boom. Okay, great. Do you want to populate this with the monitor, monsters, treasure, statue, blah. And I know campaign cartographer and some of that stuff has like the map pieces kind of built into that. But what if you just had a very uh, you know, rudimentary workflow, flowchart, whatever, that it would just ask you those questions and then you would go bloop, 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 bloop. It doesn't have to auto-gen. You just go from, like, what is the theme of your dungeon? This is a hobgoblin dungeon. Great. Every room it would say, do you want to put in a, a hobgoblin privy? Do you want to put in a hobgoblin this? If you want to override it, you do this. You put it in orc instead or whatever I haven't you looked do. at Lone Wolf Labs' campaign manager and they have a product that May yes, they just do. do exactly this. I don't know. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's another. So, hmm. I think I think we're kind of beat this one pretty good here, dude. Man, let's beat this thing to high heaven, baby. <laughs> What's the baby? Well, let's leave it here. I mean, we're we're bitching about things that we're not seeing. Now that usually means because we're too old grumps that there's. Probably somebody out there, again, screaming at their car stereo going, you assholes, it's right here. It's this tool. It's this thing. If you've got it, share it, because I'd love to be able to put that out to the rest of the BS listeners and see what we can find. And shit, I mean, if Lone Wolf's campaign thing is the key, I might start using that damn thing, because just as a place to keep notes, and it might maybe it's a great tool. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Is there somebody out there who's doing PDFs electronic um, media right in your eyes? Like, hey, if Frank House is really kicking some ass... You know, we'll take a look at that. Give us other stuff. We, I'd love to see it and to share that stuff that you all think is pretty cool. Throw it out in the forums. Email us, you know, the usual methods to get a hold of us. But it'd be really cool to see that stuff because Sean and I, like everybody else, you know, limited time, whatnot, we start looking at things like, huh, I'm not seeing this. Doesn't mean it isn't out there. Right. Right. So if you all think like, hey, guys, if only you knew about, tell us what I should know. That'd be cool. Yeah. Let's. So there you go. Yeah, let's move it on, man. It's die roll, baby. Die roll! 2D4 miscellaneous things, topics, Kickstarters, news. I threw a link out there to, to Broken you. Ruler Games. Just you did? Make sure, yep, it's up top. We got to make sure people know about it. All right. Uh, second one, Free League signs a deal to publish RPGs in Tolkien's Middle Earth. Brett, did you know that? I did not know that. Holy crap. Look at Brett jump on the screen now. He, I got him. Yeah. He's I, all, was, I was on my phone there for a minute checking the text. It's on his phone. Then I said, hey, Middle Earth and a and different I, game publisher. And Brett's and like, I, what? Huh? What? Huh? What? What did you say, Sean? Huh? What? Middle Earth? Huh? Uh, second one, Tales from the Loop starter set coming. Oh, interesting. Uh, also, in, it's uh, inspiring an upcoming show on Amazon, which I did not know. Which looks pretty cool. Interesting. Um, next one, Glenn Seal, Monkey Blood Designs, and Necromancer Games, Bitterlands 5e. Oh, very cool. Kickstarting until April 2nd, 
2020. Neat. Well, Check that out. Look at that. Yeah. I like my old school Meadowlands books. They're pretty yeah. neat. They're fun. Yeah. And I did throw one last one out there because I mentioned John Cleese and creativity. So it's it's a piece. So Sean, you asked for a link. That's the one that I recall. I think he's got a couple other ones out there, but that's a good one. It's fun, especially if you're in the business world at all. It just it's talks about the time you need and uh, all that stuff. It's just it's interesting. I find when I've listened to it in the past, I found it inspirational. So it's out there. That's it. You ready? You know what we're going to talk about next week, don't you? What are we talking about next? We're week? talking about the ideal game group. We've asked, oh, we've been asked this before. How many? What do you like? What kind of players? What blah 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 blah. This is what we're going to talk about. How many Jeffs can? How many Jeffs do you want at your table, Sean? Is this your? Is this the dream team that you're trying to come up with? Like, I don't know, man. I want to see how you know how many Jeffs do you need at your table? How many Sean's oh, do you want? Half of one is enough. <laughs> That's what we got to talk about. We'll we'll run through that. Half half a half, Jeff. Half a Jeff. Eight hours of a full Jeff. Let me tell you, it is exhausting. We're at level, we're at Jeff level five. We're at a J5 here, people. All right. All depends on how much caffeine that guy's had. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Next week, ideal game group. Sounds good. All right. Well, wrap shit, it up, man. dude. It's your job. You start hey, wanna, to wrap up. I, wanna, I finish I wanna, it off. I want to thank Laramie, Jim, Mumphrey, 999, Old School DM, and Harrigan for joining us on the Discord while we record this. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, uh, man. Yeah. So signing off, this is Sean. And this is Brett. Good night, good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Aaron Ralia, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor. Mike, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Nolabert, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scoozer, eh, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, De- David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Telvola, Hus Carl, Roger Brasset, Mark Soam, Andy Hall, Erica Villa, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost DM, Mike Hess, Angus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Jim Ingram, Dirtless, Dirtless, aka Dan, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Mirko Froilich, Rich Wishon. Do us a favor. Go and tell somebody about the show and have them subscribe. We would really, really appreciate it. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash subscribe. Thanks, BSers! This This has has been been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio Studio production. production.